Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. So we are in our third and final uh, week of our series, One by One. And if for some reason this is you haven't been here the last two weeks, you were traveling or whatever, or if this is your first week here, hey, I want to remind you, you can always watch previous messages at blueoakschurch.org. Um, you can click on watch, and there's a link to the archive and all that kind of stuff. You can get caught up. You can see messages you've missed. You can watch when you're out of town, all that great kind of stuff. But if you've missed any of the previous two messages, you can, uh, we'll just wait. Go ahead and watch them right now. No, I'm just kidding. But you can go watch that anytime. I just want to let you know about that. But this is the third and final week of our series. And if you remember, week one, we started this whole idea of one by one, which is the whole series is about the one who is far from God or the one who has maybe drifted away from God. And that first week really centered around developing significant relationships with unchurched people. Like, we have to know somebody, we have to be engaged in their life with them and show them that we care if we're going to have any influence with them. And, and Matt gave us that great prayer. I know many of you have been praying over the last couple of weeks, and some of you are already beginning to see God do it. It's funny what God does when you ask him to do things. And that prayer was, God, use me. God, just use me. And so you've been doing that, you've been engaging that, and then last week we talked about, you know, how one conversation can change everything, and engaging people in spiritual conversations, helping people take their next steps spiritually. And, and, and Matt gave us these four, you know, uh, opportunities, so to speak, that, that were so true, like when somebody's in pain, or when somebody's experiencing guilt, or when somebody seems to be like aimless, like, well, what's next in life for me, I don't know, or, or common shared experiences we go through. Those are opportunities for us to engage people in conversation. Now, Sunday afternoon, last Sunday, I found myself at the mall, which, you know, at the holiday time, I don't know, that's good or bad, I don't know. But my, my wife had gone Christmas shopping, we're trying to get that started and all this kind of stuff, and I was like, oh, I'll meet you there afterwards. Well, here's a, here's a little honest, transparent thing about me. Sunday afternoons, I'm kind of good for nothing, okay? It's like my crash after Sunday morning, and I find myself at the mall, and I'm tired, and I'm hungry, and I'm not totally zoning in, and we're walking around. At one point, she even goes like, you're not really into this, are you? I'm like, no, no, really, I am. I'm loving every moment of this, really. But we bumped into a friend of ours while we were at the mall, and immediately I could see this person was just like, there was a weight. I was like, oh, man, and, and we started talking to this person to find out, like, there is just, I mean, it is a tough personal situation that they're going through. And we're sitting there talking to him. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And yeah, you should come. And now, here's the reason I'm sharing this with you. Because in, as we've been talking about this the last couple weeks, some of us feel like, oh, it's just not me, though. I mean, the relationship part I can maybe do. But the conversation, I'm just not sure. I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. And you're like, that's your job. You guys are the professionals. We don't always get it right. Okay, so Sunday afternoon, I'm talking to this guy. And I'm like half in the conversation. It's like, uh-huh, uh-huh what can I eat when I get home, you know? And after that, I'm, I'm totally embarrassed and ashamed to say this, but Monday morning, I'm starting a prayer with this message. I go, oh, that was one of those moments we were talking about last week. And here is, he was just, like, 
Oh, probably should have prayed with him. But yeah, that didn't happen. So listen, if a pastor can mess it up sometimes, you all get a free pass sometimes. But the point being, like we take advantage of these opportunities. Well, the third and final week, tonight, today we're going to talk about sort of the third step in this strategy, if you want to call it that. And the third step is this, that one invitation can change everything. That, that inviting somebody in to extend an invitation of, hey, come sit with me, can be life-changing for somebody. Now, maybe you're here today because you were invited by somebody, like you're sitting by your family member or a coworker or a neighbor and all this. Like, here's, here's something. You're going to get a peek behind the curtain today. Okay, like you're already thinking there's some reward they get for this. I know there's probably like, I don't know, do you get like extra donut at the table in the morning? Is there some sort of spiritual spiff that you're given because I'm sitting here with you today? You get a peek behind the curtain and you're going to see why whoever brought you was so persistent and like, no, please come. Please come to my church. Please. You're, you're going to see the motivation behind it. So just hang with me for about the next 30 minutes and, and you'll you'll kind of be like, oh, I get it now. I see it. But invitations, they're kind of a funny thing because we feel differently about different kinds of invitations, right? It's the holidays. And so some of you are already sitting here going, oh, man, I got to invite that person over again. I got to invite that family member. Has it really been a year since they were here last? And you know, you're thinking, oh, the family, because of the family dynamics or family politics or just total family dysfunction when you all get together, like, I don't want to do it. Some invitations were like, I wish I didn't have to do it. Other invitations, like we can't wait to give. We get so excited about. Uh, this week will be two years since I extended the invitation to Jamie, who I had, no, I had never met before and who is now my wife, to go, hey, would you like to get together for a cup of coffee or a glass of wine? Please, 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 please. Because I was just like, I could not wait to like ask her, just like come, come meet me because I really want to meet you. There are some invitations we give, we're like, oh, we are just so excited about. And when we look at invitations throughout our life, what we see is some of our greatest moments in life have been the result of an invitation. But the likewise is true also, and some of us would say, man, some of our greatest regrets are a result of an invitation we were given to. And some would say, man, the whole course of my life was changed by an invitation. I read a, a couple of research things that were done this week, and this was interesting about when you talk about an invitation changing the course of your life. The Institute for American Church Growth did a survey of, of 10,000 churchgoers, and they simply asked a question, what was responsible for your coming to faith and your coming to church? 79% of those people surveyed said, I was invited. Someone invited me. That's how I ended up in church. That's how I ended up with a faith in Christ. Somebody invited me in. Another company, <clears throat> Lifeway Research, they did a survey with people going to church, and they said this, hey, why don't you invite people? And here's what they found out. 31% said, well, I don't know why. I have no valid reason why I don't invite anybody. 31%, 17% said they don't know anyone to invite. So apparently these are people who live in a bubble and have no social interaction of any kind. 11% said, well, they're just not comfortable asking people. That's just not me. It's not my thing. It's not my gift. I'm just not comfortable asking. And 21% were so totally offensive in how they did it, they just need to shut up about Jesus. No, I made the last one up. That's actually not a real one. But it does happen. But here's what I want you to think about. Think about this for a second. 79% of people responded, I have a faith in Christ because somebody invited me to church. And yet 59% of churchgoers don't invite. 
They don't invite people. Claire said just a moment ago, if you caught it, that our mission as a church is to lead everyone into Christ-centered living. That everyone would experience the love and the grace of God just like we have. And so one of the questions I want us to think about today is, is this. Are we on mission? Am I on mission as a Christ follower? Do people matter to me as much as they matter to God? Now, I ask it that way because what we're going to do is we're going to look at a couple stories today to see how people matter to God. And we're going to be in the book of John. And some of you, you know, maybe you're not that familiar with the Bible. You've heard it referred to as the Gospel of John. John is the fourth book in the New Testament. The Bible is divided into you know, two halves in essence. And, and John is the fourth book of the New Testament. John was actually someone who walked with Jesus which it would be so cool when you think about it. But like, he was an eyewitness to all the stuff that he wrote about. So he's, he's writing this firsthand account of like, well, Jesus said this, and then this happened, and then we went here, and all this kind of stuff. So we're going to look at his account and a couple of these encounters Jesus had with people and others had, and we see how people begin to matter. And so, John, we're going to be in chapter 1. We'll jump around a little bit here, and some of the scriptures will be on the screen. But the first story, John chapter 1, we're told that the next day, John, now, listen, I'm not going to dive deep into this, but it gets a little confusing. We'll clear it up really quickly. John, the author, is not the John who we just read, okay? John, the author, is writing the story. Now, this is John the Baptist that we just read. John the Baptist was a guy who traveled around the area at the time going, hey, somebody's coming. You need to be on the lookout. Somebody's coming. And he's going to radically change the landscape spiritually around here. Like, he's going to just shake it all up. And you need to be ready. You need to keep your eyes open. You need to be watching. So that's John the Baptist, not John the author. Got it? Perfect. All right, moving right along. So the next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Now, you know, some of you are like, Lamb of God? I mean, a lamb? Why a lamb? I mean, if you're going to pick an animal to make an analogy out of, pick something like better, right? Like a lion, a tiger, something like that. And you just think, a lamb? Like, that's so bad. Okay, I told my wife I was going to tell that joke. She's like, no, you're not. I said, well, I am a little sheepish about it, but I might just do it. Some of you just can't pass up. Lisa Harrington is very proud of me right now. I'm just going to say that right there. But here's the point. John the Baptist, he sees Jesus, and something inside of him says, that's him. This is the guy. This is the one. And he's got these two guys walking with him. They're his circle of influence. And he says to these two guys, him, you need to go meet him. You need to go meet this guy. You need to go meet Jesus. And so we're told in verse 37, these two disciples then heard John say this, and they followed Jesus. And so Jesus, sensing that somebody's following him, he, he turns around. Now, what typically happens when you're walking down the street and you feel like somebody's following you? You run. That's right, yeah. I was going to say speed up, but that's, I guess, running too. You know, some of you, the more confrontational types, you turn around like, what? What do you want? What do you want? Is there something going on here? But Jesus turns around to them, and he says, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come, you will see. So we're told these two guys, they go with Jesus, and they spend the day with him. Now, here's what I love about this. One, because Jesus isn't put off by, like, what do you guys want? He's like, hey, what do you want? What are you after? What are you looking for? And here's what I love about the question Jesus asked. Jesus is not afraid to engage us in dialogue. Jesus is not afraid to ask us, like, hey, 
what's important to you? What is it you're looking for in life? What is it you're hoping for? What is it that you want for your life? What is it that you want for your family? What is it that you want for the people around you? And for some of you, this has been the exact opposite of what your experience has been, you know, in church, in the past, and things like that, where your experience is like, man, I, my experience with Christians in the church is like, they're a bunch of closed-minded, like, judgmental, and, and just to tell you their thought. Listen, what you see here right away is, that's not Jesus. Jesus is not afraid to engage you in a dialogue and ask the simple question, hey, what is it you want? What are you looking for? And Jesus then invites these two guys, two strangers, which, again, I probably wouldn't do either. I have like a 30-second conversation with you, like, hey, come on and hang out with me all day. But yet Jesus invites them in. And verse 40, we're told, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Now, notice what Andrew doesn't do. Andrew doesn't go, oh, this was an incredible day. John, you need to go tell my brother Simon to meet Jesus because you're the extroverted one, okay? You're the one who knows all the spiritual stuff. You're the one who, you need to go do this. Andrew doesn't do that. Andrew has this experience with Jesus where his first response is, I got to get my bro. I got to go get my brother. And he finds his brother and he says, bro, you got to come with me. You have to go meet Jesus. Like you're coming. I'm in the middle of something. I don't care. Put it down. You're coming with me. And what you see throughout the book of John, the account that John writes, is Andrew becomes known for this. Andrew becomes known as an inviter. The first one was he invited his brother to come see Jesus. Later in the book, you see there's this big crowd, and, and Jesus is teaching, and there's a question about how are we going to feed all these people, and Andrew brings this little kid basically to Jesus, says, well, he's got some food. He's got a couple loaves and fishes, and Jesus you know, feeds 5,000-plus people with this. little. But Andrew brought the kid. There's another story in the book of John where there's a group of people who are like, we'd like to know more about Jesus, and what does Andrew do? Well, let me take you to him. And so Andrew becomes known as the inviter in the book of John. Now, my wife is so much better at this than me. Like, she has the gift of inviting, okay? In fact, there were two people at the first service who were here because she invited them. And I just, I tag along. I'm like, well, I get credit by, like, marriage, right? Is that how that works? Because I'm not as good as she had. But in the nine months we've been here, I'm not lying. She's probably invited over two dozen people. Hey, come to church with me. Hey, come sit with me. Hey, I want you to be in church with me. And this is what Andrew becomes, as we see. This becomes kind of his gift. And, and look what happens as the story goes on. So Jesus looks at him. This is now Andrew's brother. And he says, hey, you are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Now, follow what's happening here. John the Baptist invited Andrew to meet Jesus. Jesus invites Andrew to follow him. Andrew now goes and finds his brother Simon and says, bro, you have to come meet Jesus. The point of following that track is we don't know what one invitation can lead to. We don't know the cascading impact it can have as things go on and on and on. We're never told that Andrew got up in front of like thousands of people and, and preached these great messages or anything like that. In fact, there's not a whole lot we read about Andrew other than what I just told you. But his brother, Simon, who Jesus renames Peter, just a few years from this point, will stand in front of thousands of people in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. 
and lead them to Jesus. One invitation has a cascading impact that we may never know. This is a way reach back, okay? But some of you are going to be with me, and some of you it's going to go right over your head. But I'm going to go ahead and do it. Who in here remembers the Fabergé shampoo commercials from like the 70s and 80s? Oh, yeah. So I guess some of the people are okay. But the Fabergé shampoo commercials, well, let's just be honest. The best was in 82 with Heather Locklear. Because, I mean, it's Heather Locklear. But anyway, so the whole thing about the Fabergé shampoo commercials was this. This shampoo was so amazing and so life-changing that you just couldn't keep it to yourself. And so what happened? Well, if you use Fabergé, you told two friends, and they told two friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. And it just kind of went from there, right? That's exactly what is beginning to happen here in the first chapter of the book of John. Invitations begin to go out, and invitations begin to spread out, and it begins to have a cascading impact. But it doesn't stop there. Later on in chapter 1 of the book of John, we're told the next day, Jesus decides to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, Jesus says to him, follow me. So now Philip's invited in. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, hey, we have found the one that Moses wrote about. We have found the one the prophet spoke of. We have found him. He's Jesus. He's from Nazareth. He's the son of Joseph. So now he goes and he invites Nathanael. But this is great because look at, look at how he responds. He's like, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? It's like saying this, Stockton? Can anything good come from Stockton? If you're from Stockton, I'm sorry. Just <laughs> random city, random city you pull out right there. But notice what Philip says to him in verse 46. Come and see. He gives him the invitation. Hey, come and see. I'm, I'm not going to build it up more than just come meet Jesus. Come and see. Throughout the chapter, we see invitation after invitation being given, given to come meet Jesus. Now, jumping ahead in John's account, just a few chapters. In John chapter 4, we, we see this story of Jesus uh, having a conversation with a woman, a Samaritan woman at the well. And we're not going to dive too deep into the story, but, you know, Samaritans and Jews, they just didn't get along. There's a lot of animosity. There's a whole story behind it. It's the middle of the day where this takes place, which indicates to us that the fact that this woman is even at the well in the middle of the day. She's sort of on the sidelines of society. There's something in her life that she's not included with all the other women from the town because you don't go to the well to get water in the middle of the day. It's the heat of the day, all this kind of stuff. And so Jesus shows up at the well. His disciples take off to go find food, and he begins to engage this woman in a conversation. And they have this incredible conversation where he begins to tell her things about her life. He says, hey, go call your husband. She's like, oh, well, he's not with me right now. And she's like, well, exactly, because you've had five, and the sixth guy you're with right now really isn't even your husband. She's like, whoa. Like, that just got way personal and weird really quickly. And then they begin to have this spiritual conversation where Jesus is talking about the water of life, and if you knew this, and he just goes right to the point of spiritual need in her life. And at the end of this conversation, what's so amazing about it, she says, hey, all I know is we're supposed to be looking for the Messiah, the one who's coming, and Jesus is like, me, I'm right here. You found him. I'm the one. And look at what this woman does in John chapter 4, verse 28 and 29. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Her first response is to head back to town and not like, well, I got to process this. I got to think about it. But like, yo, everybody, you have to come meet this guy. 
Could this be the Messiah? Now, this question is interesting because, like, when you study this, when you, when you get into commentators and those, there's kind of one or two trains of thought here. And the two trains of thought are this. The first train of thought is, by asking could this be the Messiah, maybe she didn't quite have it all figured out yet. Maybe she didn't quite know, like, I'm starting to process all this stuff. But, but still she went and invited. Okay, if that's it, here's what I find so encouraging about that. What that tells us is this. Listen, you don't have to have all the answers before you can invite someone to come meet Jesus. And for some of us, that's our reason why we don't. Let's just be honest. That's our defense. That's what gets us out. It's like, I don't know all the Bible that well. And like, that's your job. You're the pastor. You do that and all that kind of stuff. This woman, maybe she didn't have it all figured out yet, but she knew the Jesus she had just met, they all need to meet. And she went and invited them. The second train of thought is this. Maybe because of whatever it was about her life that had put her on the sidelines of life and she's kind of an outcast from the town, she knew she needed to invite in a way where, you know, they weren't going to be put off by her or, you know, all judgmental and things like this. Like, y'all hypocrites, you need to go meet Jesus because you treat me the way you do. And so she just goes, could this be the Messiah? In a very non-threatening way. If that's the case, it's such a great example for us in how we approach other people and how we invite them to come sit with us, come to my church. In a way that it's not like, yo, you are a mess and you need Jesus. So like, just go get yourself clean. But like, hey, I've been where you're at. I know what you're going through. Man, my heart is just it, it, like, I'm broken for you. Come sit with me, come to my church with me. And she approaches in this very non-threatening way. Either way, we learn from it. But notice what the response of the people is. So verse 30, they came out and they made their way towards Jesus. And then a few verses later, we're told, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged Jesus like, hey, stick around for a while. We want to know more. We want to know more. To the point where they finally said, we no longer believe just because of what she said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. It's beautiful. One invitation led to an entire town being changed because she invited them to meet Jesus. Now, backing up for a moment because sort of in between like her conversation with Jesus and the town coming to meet Jesus, Jesus has sort of like a refocusing session with his disciples because they show back up at the end of this and they see Jesus talking to this woman. They're like... It's kind of weird. Why is he talking to her? What's going on there? And then she takes off, and, and Jesus has to sort of reset because here's a group of guys who are all invited to come in and follow Jesus, and yet what did none of them do to this woman? None of them invited her. Like, hey, let me introduce you to Jesus. And so it, it kind of reminded me of a story. Maybe some of you have heard this story before. The story is uh, whose job is it anyway? And the story goes like this. There's four people in the story, everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. And here's the way it goes. There's an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could. That's kind of what's going on with the disciples right here, right? It's like, uh, I don't know, you could have, you could have, you could have. And Jesus is like, guys, 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 listen, refocus here for a second. And look at what Jesus says to them. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Jesus basically says, guys, look around you. There's countless people you can be inviting to meet me. An introduction to me. We just need to have open eyes and willing hearts. Now, when you step back, step back from the book of John, when you look at the entire Bible as a story arc, as a narrative, here's the amazing thing that you see. You see the narrative, the story arc of the Bible is one of an invitation. In fact, Max Lucado, some of you may know who that is. He's a pastor. He's an author. He once said this, the most incredible invitations are not found in envelopes or fortune cookies. They're found in the Bible. You can't read about God without finding him inviting. He invited Eve to marry Adam, the animals to enter the ark, David to be king, Israel to leave the bondage of Egypt, Nehemiah to rebuild Jerusalem. God is an inviting God. He invited Mary to birth his son, the disciples to fish for men, the adulterous woman to start over, and Thomas to touch his wounds. In fact, it seems that his favorite word is come. It's an invitation. Now, this is just a couple of the verses that you find in this story arc of the Bible, but listen to this. Isaiah 118, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be white like wool. Isaiah 55, 1, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Verse 3, give ear and come to me, listen that you may live. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Mark 1, 17, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. John 7, 37, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Does it begin to remind you a little bit about the conversation Jesus was having with the woman at the well? It was about this living water and her spiritual thirst. This is the narrative, the story arc, the invitation found throughout the Bible. In fact, from beginning to the very end, Revelation twenty two seventeen. This is like verses from the end of the Bible where it's like, boom, done. Here you go, guys. And this is what Revelation 22, 17 says. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. God is an inviting God. And his invitation is to life in him. Now, for some of you, that's the reason the invitation was given over and over and over. Hey, come sit with me. Come to my church with me. Hey, come this Sunday. We're going. Come with. This is the reason the invitation was so persistent. This is why whoever brought you did not give up. Because they want you to experience life in Christ like they have. They want to see what's been taken from you restored. They want to see Christ redeeming you what's been lost. They want to see a renewal of your life in Christ just as they have experienced. Now, we go through all of that, and you have to ask yourself, I ask myself, 
Why? Why is it even important? Why do we have the invitation? Well, because, you know, we got to fill up the chairs and all that stuff, right? Well, yeah, we want the chairs full because we want to see people coming to meet Christ, growing in a spiritual life with Christ. But here's why we take the time to address it with us. Here's why we take the time as Christ followers to understand, hey, invitation, it just should be a part of who we are because we have been given the message of reconciliation. Paul, one of the other authors of the New Testament, he talks about this in 2 Corinthians. And here's what he says in chapter 5. He says, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. You see, we've been given the message, the good news of the gospel, this, this message of we have a Savior who came to the world to die for us. That's the Lamb of God John the Baptist was sort of referencing that, you know, the Old Testament system of worship, it was all sacrifices and blood and all this. Like, I'm so glad I did not live then because I would be like nauseous 24-7 with all of that. And, and John's like, no, this is the one. He's the final sacrifice once and for all. And we've been given that message. Your sins are forgiven. Your life can be made new. And this is a bold statement, but I believe it's very accurate, and I believe it's true. We've been given the message of reconciliation, and we have become the hope of the world. We as Christ followers have become the hope of the world. And it's not me. It's not you. It's Christ in us. But we have become the hope of the world. And, and some of you, you know, you've been tracking with this, like, like Scott and, you know, Matt, I'm doing great on the, on, the, on the relationship part, and I'm developing these significant relationships, and it's great. It's like, man, that's awesome. Keep going, keep going. And some, you're like in, in the second step, and you're like, man, I'm beginning to have these conversations, and, and I'm, I'm a little nervous about it. I'm not totally confident. And, and some of you are like, oh, I'm a little, I don't even know if I want to go down. And just keep, keep pushing forward, keep just getting there and opening yourself up a little bit and having these conversations because that's that hope that you, God is beginning to spread through. And some of you, some of us are now in this third step where it's like, okay, now it's the invitation part. Now it's the part where we're going to say, hey, come sit with me. Come with me. Come. We're there every Sunday, like rain or shine. We're there. Just come with me. Come visit my church because this is the story arc of the Bible. We're all here today because of an invitation. Blue Oaks as a church started, it is, its existence began with an invitation. Hey, there's a new church starting. You want to come? You should come with me. So why wouldn't we extend that invitation to others? Now listen, I would like to think we were smart enough to plan this out. And Matt is a smart guy, so maybe he did plan this out. Like, but here's the deal. We end this in the perfect time of the year because we have two natural opportunities ahead of us to do this very thing, Okay. We're a month away from Christmas, a month away from Christmas Eve services. And we all know a creaster, right? A creaster is someone who only comes at Christmas or Easter, okay? So the idea of inviting, it's like you're given a gimme right away at the very beginning because it's like it's Christmas Eve. You know, you got, but listen, we have an entire month to begin inviting people. Hey, come with me. Come sit with me at my church. We're going to be singing Christmas carols, and it's going to be all Christmassy. And oh, okay, I'll do it. Like, it's a natural, December's natural. But you know what also is a natural time to invite people? January. 
oh, man, it's a new year. People are making new resolutions. Like, oh, it's going to be a new me. I'm like, well, you'll probably only last at the gym a week, but you can come with me to my church. You're like, this is coming. And so January is right ahead of us. It's a natural time to begin to invite people to take this third step and say, come sit with me. Now, couple things as we wrap this up, because as we begin to do that, and for some of you, as you continue to, there's some practical things we need to consider and, and make a part of this also, okay? So a couple practical things as we, we wrap this up with invite. The first is this. When you invite, be honest and authentic. Like, don't bait and switch people, okay? Like, don't say, hey, you want to go grab coffee and a donut Sunday morning? And then suddenly they're like, why are we at Foothill? Like, what's going on here? Like, don't do that, okay? It's just not fair to the people. kind of makes you a jerk, too. So just don't do that, okay? And be authentic. When you see somebody going through something, you're just like, open yourself up a little bit. Like, hey, I would love for you to come with me because I've been exactly where you're at. Share a little bit of your story. And, like, and I would just love for you to hear the same thing that got me through what I went through when I did that. Be honest and authentic when inviting Another thing is this, show you care by being proactive, not passive in your invitation. Here's what I mean by that. Here's a passive invitation. Hey, you know, if you ever wanted to come sometime, if you ever had a free Sunday morning, I mean, if it worked in your calendar and all that, I mean, maybe you could come with me sometime if you wanted. Just let me know. Like, no pressure or anything, but okay, bye. Like, who wants to accept that invitation? Like, no. That's a passive invitation. A proactive invitation is this. Hey, come with me. Come with me. I go to 10 o'clock service. I'll save you a seat. Come with me. I'll pick you up. Be proactive, not passive in your invitation. Show that you care. Another one is this. Adjust, and you guys, this is so important for some of us because we're routine people. Adjust your routine to fit their schedule. Here's what I mean by that. Hey, I want you to come sit with me. Come to my church with me. Oh, great. You know what? 845 works perfect for me. Oh, (laughs) I'm a 10 o'clock person, and that's really early in the morning. I'm not sure about that. Listen, adjust your routine to fit their schedule. If you care about somebody, you'll get up a little. Oh, you'll push your day off a little bit. You'll come at 11.15. But show them you care in your invitation by adjusting your routine to fit their schedule. Make it personal. Make it personal. Not, hey, you should go, like, there's... There's plenty of room. There's, there's seats and, you know, they can go that. So just, I mean, just come. You'll find your way through. Make it personal. Hey, come with me. Come sit with me. I've got a seat for you right here. I literally said that to a person this week. It's the first time I've literally used that phrase with somebody. But the person we ran into at the mall, I'm like, I got a seat right next to me. Like, literally, I texted him yesterday. I'm like, I literally have your name on it. It's saved for you. And he came at the last service. But make it personal. It's how we show them we care. And the last one is this, carry it beyond Sunday. Carry it beyond Sunday. We don't do this out of an obligation. We don't do this because we're spirit, fulfilling some sort of spiritual like checklist, like, all right, I invited my person for the year. Woo, 2020, here we go. You know, it's like, because n- nobody feels cared for when that's it. Like, okay, I came, now you don't talk to me anymore. Carry it beyond Sunday. Hey, you want to go grab something to eat afterwards? You know, let's just talk about what we heard today. Hey, I, I, I have a group that meets at my house like every Tuesday night. Come, join us. We talk about the message or we're studying this or we're doing whatever. But come, sit with us. See, see if you like it. Carry it beyond Sunday because that's how people know you care about them. So for some of you again here today, all of that wrapped up, you're like, okay, I get it. I get why I got invited here now. 
Makes sense to me. Thanks, great. But as you've been sitting here, something has just been kind of tugging at you. And you're like, man, that all makes sense because I know their life. The person who invited you, like, I watched them. And there's something different about them. And this whole thing, like, this, the God who came for me. And right now, what that is, is it's God reaching out to you going, hey, I want a relationship with you. It's why I sent my son. It's why Jesus came. It's why all this started, the whole invitation thing. And the beautiful thing about starting a relationship with Christ is this. The Bible tells us, here's how it's done, okay? Believe and confess. Believe. Believe in your heart. Okay, I believe. But I don't have it all figured out, Scott. You don't have to all figure it out. The woman of the well may not have, but she believed. And then you just confess it. Okay, Lord, I want a relationship with you. Jesus, I I want to become a Christ follower. And literally, that starts a journey with Christ. Now listen, if that describes you here today, and we're ending with this, if that describes you here today, here's what I want you to do. Best decision you've ever made in your life, I guarantee you that. But here's what I want you to do, because I want to help you get started in that. Take that Connect card that you were handed on your bulletin, the little rip-off portion, and put your name on that and an email address so I can reach out to you this week. And just write on it, today I choose Jesus. Just write that, today I choose Jesus. And I want to reach out to you this week and one, like, high-five you or something like that. But then go, hey, listen, here's what that means. Here's how you get started on it. Because somebody cared enough about you to invite you here today. It's why we invite. It's why the story arc of the Bible is that of an invitation. Let's pray. Lord, our prayer is, uh, our prayer is the encouragement you gave to the disciples, that you would open our eyes to all that surrounds us, those in our family, those in our neighborhoods, those in our workplaces, those in our community that haven't yet met you, that don't yet know you like we do. Lord, open our eyes to develop relationships with them, to have conversations with them, to help them take next steps spiritually, Lord, and to invite Hey, come sit with me at my church so that they can know you as we do, Father. Lord, lead us and and give us the courage for those kind of relationships and conversations. and, And then, Lord, amaze us at what you will do through us and through our church as we simply extend the invitation to others to come meet Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, If you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 8.45, 10, and 11.15. For directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today.